Well, we got a special episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. I'm Anthony Kazenza, joined as always by John Sharon. John, it's it's pretty rare that we get to once again get one of those special guests in the intro promo there for a multiple time appearance, but we've got a special guest here joining us doing that this week. Yes, we did. You met someone very special at Super Bowl Media Week, and we're about to bring him on, none other than Caesar Sportsbook's own Trey Wingo. Guys, Mr. Mr. Wingo, good, doing well. How are you doing? I got no complaints. The season's rolling right along, and the uh, the 0-2 start for the Bengals is uh, distant history at this point, it appears. It, it, it Well, we hope it's distant history, and we hope <laughs> the history does not repeat itself uh, yeah. based, on, based on everything that started the season here. I, I guess... That's kind of as as good of a place as any to to kind of start our chat here. I mean, when you and I caught up, we were talking about all kinds of different things happening within the AFC, the power powerhouses that look like the AFC West and and the AFC North look to be competitive again. I mean, what just from a from a mile high view, I, ironically with everything going on in Denver, but from a mile <laughs> high view, your take on what we've seen so far, it's been a, a totally total mixed bag. Yeah. around the NFL and then you've got you know kind of Brady and Rodgers and their team struggling not a lot of expected things happening so far this year well yeah like I don't think anybody would have said you could have won a lot of money at the Caesar Sportsbook app if you had said I'm gonna bet after <laughs> seven weeks that the Giants are gonna have as many wins as the Bucks and Packers combined right like I yeah. I don't know if there's a better way to sum up how crazy uh this entire season has been than that situation but that's the fact um, as far as the AFC goes, I, I do think it is clearly to me the more stacked conference, but that doesn't mean that the Super Bowl champions coming out of there. I've said this the last two years and the last two Super Bowl champs have been Tampa Bay and then the Rams. So um, I, the depth in the AFC, I think, is significantly better than the depth in the NFC. And, and you know, we talked about the AFC West all offseason and oh, my God, it's going to be a murderer's row. Well, no, it's Kansas City and everybody else is just sort of there. Uh, and the NFC East, like everyone thought, literally has the best <laughs> division record through seven weeks. I think they're hitting 741 uh, on their winning percentage. That's the best for any division in football since 2002 through seven weeks. That's how crazy the NFL schedule is. Like the last four teams uh, to be participating in the NFC side of the postseason are combined 12 and 15, and not a single one of them has a winning record. So I, whenever people say, well, this schedule looks tough and this schedule looks tough, well, you're basing it on last year's results. And last year's results rarely, rarely translate into this year's results. So this crazy seven-week start has kind of led to some interesting power rankings. And I feel like this is an interesting topic with the Bengals specifically because they're four and three, but it feels like consensus-wise, they seem to be finding themselves in the top 10 of those rankings ahead of like teams like the Jets and the Giants who yeah. are better than record-wise. <clears throat> Just from your perspective, because you've been in this industry for a long time, nowadays when we have so much information at, at our disposal, we've been able to you know decipher which metrics matter in terms of sustainability and whatnot. How much like has the value of like the win-loss record has that almost like diminished a little bit in terms of like how you see the best teams just because like it, there's so much more information out there? Not to me. Like, you, you know, Bill Parcells used to say all the time, you are what the record says you are. So do I think that Cincinnati has the chance to be a much better team by the end of the year than Philadelphia? Hell yeah, I do. But they're four and three and the Eagles are six and oh. So like 
I will always like whenever we used to do the power rankings and we used to do them every week on NFL Live. And I used to throw out there like, hey, man, just you know, come pick the carcass, sharp, sharpen your talons and just pick this stuff apart. Like to me, if you do a weekly power ranking, it's based on where you are that week. I mean, it's pretty simple to me. So, you know, Philadelphia Eagles are the last unbeaten team. Now, does that mean they're going to win the Super Bowl? No. In fact, the last, last unbeaten team to go ahead and win the Super Bowl were the Colts in 2006 when they started 9-0 and and then went on to win Super Bowl 41. So it's not a guarantee, but right now, six weeks through the season or seven weeks through the season with the Eagles by, no one has beaten them yet. So to me, if we're doing a weekly power ranking, they are the number one team. Talking with an icon in this industry, Trey Wingo of Caesar Sportsbook, and their team always so gracious to us, giving us a lot of different access to great guests and whatnot. Like Mr. Wingo, appreciate his time. Uh, Trey, I, I, I trying to get my hands around the AFC North, and if you want to throw yeah. in a little bit of, of updated um, lines and whatnot that coming from Caesars in terms of what it says about the division winners, and obviously now the Bengals and the Browns, we'll talk about that game in a minute, but the Bengals and the Browns, they're c- clashing this week. But the Browns haven't had their starting quarterback for most of this season already, and they won't have him for a little bit longer here. So, I mean, what have you seen from the this specific division, the AFC North? What are the lines saying going forward, especially with the Bengals kind of hitting a little bit of a stride here lately? Well, I, I think the biggest surprise to me has been the struggles of the Baltimore Ravens. Like, uh, I wasn't surprised that the the Bengals started 0-2 because the hangover for the Super Bowl is real. And by the way, if the situational football matters, right, uh, let's take that that overtime loss uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers week one. Uh, what, I don't know if it was overtime or in the end of the game when the when – the, no, I think it was overtime. Uh, the, 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 the Bengals punted with like 25 seconds left on the play clock, if you remember, back to yeah, the Steelers. Yeah. And they were able to drive down there and kick the game-winning field goal. Why in an overtime scenario would you punt the ball with 20 plus seconds left on the clock? Like you allowed that to happen. So they made some mistakes. The offensive line hasn't gelled. And quite frankly, that's still my biggest concern for Cincinnati is that only the Bears have allowed more sacks, 27, than the the Bengals have in 25. And I think they spent their entire offseason trying to make sure that wasn't the case. Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, everybody else that they've sort of reshuffled and put in there. Karras coming over. Uh, and it still hasn't yielded the results they wanted. And and if, if you're asking me what's your biggest concern about Cincinnati is that Joe Burrow survives. You know, I mean, Matt Ryan is benched right now because the Colts couldn't protect him to save his life. And that's the reason he's tied for the most interceptions and has the most fumbles in football. Eventually, those beatings take a toll on your body. And, uh, you know, 25 sacks is a lot for for uh, seven games into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my biggest concern. What I'm not concerned about is Joe Burrow with a clean pocket. Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Mixon. Like, you can make a very compelling argument that the Bengals have more talent, especially in terms of skill position players, uh, on the offensive side of the ball than anybody in football. So over the past few weeks, though, Burrow's only been sacked about eight times, been one of the least pressured quarterbacks in the league. Have you seen enough progress from the offensive line at this point to project, you know, success going forward with that unit? Yeah, I mean, like eight, it sacked eight times the last two weeks is still four times a game. Three weeks, right? sorry. I mean, yeah. Well, you said you said eight. You said eight over the last two weeks. Eight, it was three, three last weeks, week. Yeah. Three, three weeks. Okay, it's getting yeah. better. It's getting better. Um, and I think that's a part, like, my concern about the offensive line was that it's going to take some time. Like, it's the most interconnected unit in football, uh, second only, I think, to the secondary. 
Uh, but those offensive linemen, it, it takes – like, for example, arguably the greatest line in the history of the NFL, the Great Wall of Dallas in the 90s. That line had everything. The first year they played together, they almost got Troy Aikman killed. You know, there, there was a game where he was sacked 11 times by the Philadelphia Eagles, and it was still Nate Newton, Mark A, Eric Williams, Mark Stepnoski. You know, it was all those guys. They just didn't play together. And I think the idea that the more these guys play together on the offensive line for Cincinnati, they're going to get better. Um, and, and I think that is something that, that will factor into long-term success. I think the line is going to be much better in week 15 than it was in week one. And like you said, it's trending in that direction. Let's hope so. Um, I mean, the, the offensive line just has been really ever since Zach Taylor has taken over. It's always just been something that's been tinkered with and an issue and flux. Guys are injured. The whole deal, ineffectiveness, and hopefully they start remedying things. And John, what you just mentioned a minute ago about a little bit of lessening in the sacks. Hopefully that's pointing to that. Talking with Trey Wingo of Caesar Sportsbook. Um, you know, we have Russell Wilson going to Denver. Uh, that was a huge, huge move, obviously. And then you've got Brady coming back out of retirement, sticking with Tampa Bay. You got Rogers. Is he out of retirement? Uh, well, is he out of, is who he knows out of at this point? Yeah, I don't know. I Mentally, feel like he's yeah. trying to play while being retired. Like, yeah. Just, you know, yeah. You, you're taking every Wednesday off, which is install day. I get it. He's in the building, but he's not running through the offense with the team. Takes a Saturday off to go to his former owner's wedding right before a game. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, if I'm, like, if I'm one of those – uh, Bucks offensive lineman, and he's yelling at me all the time, like, "Hey, bro, maybe if you were here more, we'd get this bleep figured out." You know, yeah. um, like this game is not—it's not a 50-50 proposition. You're either all in or you're all out. And can we say that about Tom Brady right now? Is he—is he all in? I don't know. It's a—it's a fair question. It's—I uh, thought I would never say that about a guy like Tom Brady, yeah. right? I mean, just how serious he takes the game, but. I mean, I guess the second part of that question is, okay, well, now you see those guys, Wilson, Rogers, Brady, the guys who have been the tops of the league for years and years and years. They're kind of struggling a little bit, and you're starting to see the ascension of – No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Russell Wilson is struggling a lot. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> He's struggling a lot. He's not struggling a little. Rogers is struggling because of the receivers. Brady, the whole thing is a mess. But Russell Wilson is struggling a lot. They're terrible. Yeah, that that's that situation doesn't seem to be working on a number of different levels for sure. But I mean, I, I guess now we talked a little bit about young quarterbacks last time you and I sat down and chatted. Is this now are we seeing kind of officially the passing of the baton to the Josh Allen's, yes. the Joe Burrows, the Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, based on kind of just what we've seen this year from from those big three? Guys, I thought it passed last year. Like, and I, I know that Brady had the record for most. I uh, said had the sink had the most touchdown passes last year, forty four at the age of forty four or forty five. I don't remember. Um, and uh, you know, and Aaron was the MVP. But like, I think we've seen this transition for the last couple of years. Like, there are, there are three. If we're being honest, people are being honest about it. There are three quarterbacks you'd want to start your franchise with right now. Only three, and that's Joe Burrow. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And you can have them in any order you want. Uh, for me, I'll take the guy who's done the most, which would be Mahomes, MVP, Super Bowl MVP, back-to-back -back Super Bowls, uh, you know, 50 touchdown passes in a season. His first year as a starter, it took Brady until 2007 to do that. It took Manning 2004 to get to 49. And then in 2013, he got to, uh, he got to 55, which, by the way, Think about that. We This is the third year we've played, uh, or the second year, rather, we played 17 games. Uh, 
And I don't think anybody's getting close to Peyton Manning's 55 in 16 in 16 games in 2013, which is ridiculous. But to your point, like those are the three. Like I I, I don't know Herbert maybe. Like we love people love Herbert, right? But at some point, it needs to translate into something. We've seen it translate into something in Josh Allen. We've seen it yeah. translate into a Super Bowl appearance with Joe Burrow. And as I just mentioned, Mahomes has all the receipts and almost all the damn records. Uh, as much as we love Justin Herbert, and some of that is the team, because I'm not a big believer in wins and losses. Actually, I'm not a believer at all that wins and losses are a quarterback stat. Teams win games, teams win championships. But at some point, the team around Justin Herbert may be the thing that's holding him back right now. Herbert's an interesting transition to my next question because it seems like coaching has been the big talking point with him and his offensive coordinator not really installing the right offense around him. That's also kind of an issue with the Bengals' upcoming opponent in the Cleveland Browns. How much of the Browns' struggles, in your opinion, are coaching-related? Because it seems like a cop-out when you say a talented team is is underwhelming that just equals coaching deficiencies. But it seems disingenuous when talking about Kevin Stefanski, who I think is a decent coach. I think he's a decent coach, but tell me why it makes more sense for Jacoby Brissett to drop back 40 times and only hand the ball to Nick Chubb 12. Like, yeah. that's criminal. Like, like, but it happens to everybody, okay? Like, let's go back to 2017, the, the last pre-Mahomes playoff game. Uh, the Chiefs have a home game at Arrowhead against the Titans, and they are killing them. I think they're up 21 to 3 or 17 to nothing, something like that. Then Travis Kelsey gets concussed. They ran the ball six times in the second half when you had Kareem Hunt on a rookie deal, when Kareem Hunt was as good as any back in the league. Andy Reid simply forgot. Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator, they simply forgot to run the football. And it cost him in that game. That was the game Marcus Mariota threw a touchdown pass to himself. He threw it, got batted back, caught it, and, and ran back in. But they completely abandoned the run. I think, I think they had three carries to Kareem Hunt in the second half. You had the lead. Your best weapon, Travis Kelsey, is out of the game. Like, But – for Stefanski, the, the problems I have with him, and he, I do believe he's a good coach. I want, I want to be clear with you. I'm with you. I believe he's a good coach. But know what you have, right? Like, what's more likely to be the winning formula for you as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns and, and the play caller? Putting it in the hands of Jacoby Brissett or putting it in the hands of arguably the best runner in football this year, Nick Chubb? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I, I I think your rhetorical question is is noted, and I think we know the the, the right answer there for sure. Uh, we're, we're talking with Trey Wingo of Caesar Sportsbook, and they have uh, a, they're launching a new gambling endeavor in this in the state of Ohio. We'll we'll talk about that in just a little bit with him. But you know, talking a little bit more about the the Cleveland Browns here, you know, we're, we're talking about their issues and 
why not more Nick Chubb and Jacoby Brissett? Well, Brissett in all likelihood is not going to be in the lineup in the next few weeks because Deshaun Watson comes back. Now, yeah, four more your, games to get through. In, in your estimation, yeah, with, with those games to get through, in your estimation, is he going to be the cure-all to what, what is ailing this team going forward because they will have each of the division teams to face later in the year with Watson under helm, but – Here's the thing with that hasn't played in what a year and a half hasn't hasn't played Correct. football in a year and a half and you know I mean it's hopping into a new team uh, different at, I mean the, the, the talents there but all of the other issues time missed etc are also there so I, I just from where I sit I have a little bit of a trouble saying oh that's going to be the key that gets them right. No, I, I agree. There will be a transition period that he's going to have to deal with and for a variety of reasons. Uh, number one, like you said, he hasn't played in forever. I mean, look, hell, Dak Prescott came back from missing five games and was rusty against arguably one of the worst defenses in football, the Detroit Lions, this past Sunday, before he finally got into it. You can't miss as much time as Deshaun Watson has missed for very good reasons, I'd like to point out, uh, <laughs> and, and not expect him to just not suffer some consequences there. And, you know, he can say whatever he wants – and the team can try and block everything out. But he's a human being, after all. And he's going to hear what people say. And he's going to have to deal with that and process that. He's going to have to sort of, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to hear everywhere I go on the road. It's going to be what I have to deal with. It's going to be a thing. There, there's a distinct possibility, but by the time he gets there, that it may not matter. Uh, you know, if, if, if the Bengals can find a way to beat Cleveland, which has been very rare recently, you've lost four straight to them. Then we're looking at a team that's two and six uh, and I think has lost five straight games. Um, and then they're just trying to hold on to anything to get something out of the season when Deshaun Watson returns after their 11th game of the year. And of course, the majesty of that is that they'll be playing the Houston Texans on his return. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. Just yeah. time that out perfectly, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, it's getting pretty late early for Cleveland. Yeah, they have all these division games, but if you're five games behind everybody, I'm not sure it really matters. So in regards to this into this game, the Bengals have a similar strategy where, you know, last week they played the Falcons. They like to run the ball. They wanted to get out on top of them early so they wouldn't allow the Falcons to do what they wanted to do. Bengals going to need a similar strategy in this one to just keep Nick Chubb, keep the ball out of Nick Chubb's hands. But in regards to the Bengals' defense, they're the first team to not allow a second-half touchdown in the first seven games since the Truman administration. It's a ridiculous yeah. stat, but I'm curious in, in regards to you, like how much you value that. Because, for one, it's definitely not sustainable over a 17-game season. And two, it also kind of ignores the fact that in the first half, they're 24th in EPA per play allowed. Right. Look, there's uh, there was a stat going into the Bills-Chiefs game last week that Buffalo allowed a grand total of seven points all second half through those first six weeks. And the Chiefs put up 10 uh, in that second half alone. And if they hadn't uh, missed a kick and uh, hadn't turned it over, they might have put up 13 or 20. So, yeah, it's not sustainable. But, look, you want you want to be playing better at the end of the game than you are at the beginning of the game. The, uh, the, the Bengals' defense has found a way to do that. Um, it's it's not sustainable. Like, it's it's not. They're going to give up some touchdowns in the second half of games going forward. But you love the fact that they have that closer uh, uh, sort of mindset. And a lot of that goes from the defensive coordinator. You know, we had him on uh, when I do some stuff with the 33rd team as well. We had Lou on. And I said in the offseason, I said, how many phone calls and texts did you get from guys? Like, how did you figure out Mahomes? Because in both of the games last year, <laughs> the regular season meeting in December, the AFC championship game, you guys were down 11 
in the first half, and they did whatever they wanted. And then in both games in the second half, you held them to a field goal, and you managed to beat them twice. And he said, Trey, I have no idea. He said, I, I, you know, I, all I knew is everything I saw in the first half wasn't working and I was screaming my head off and somehow we found a way to get it done. So Luana Rumo sort of has the key to beating Patrick Mahomes uh, as we saw twice. And that's that defense you're talking about in both of those games last year. They, they, they were absolutely shredded in the first half. And, uh, you know, if the Chiefs had just kicked a field goal at the end of the first half last year in the AFC championship game, I'm convinced that would have been enough to send them on their way to a third straight Super Bowl, but that defense rose to the occasion. They came up with big plays after big plays. The, the key to something like that is just hang in the game as long as you can, right? Stay in the game. Find a way to stay in the game. And after giving up a lot of points in the first halves, the, the Bengals have found a way to sort of reverse that and, and, and just keep themselves within shouting distance in a lot of these contests, and they've been able to come away with a couple of wins. Yeah, it's been crazy to see how they've performed in that regard. And then, of course, in some of those, the, the losses they've had these this year have been by a combined, the three losses have been by a combined eight points. So when yeah. you see you see the defensive performance and then you see the, the slight margin of victories, it just makes you want to pull your hair out a little bit there. But talking with the in, incomparable Trey Wingo, he's on the 33rd team and he does a great show upon further review with Mark Schler. Then, of course, you, your title still is brand ambassador, am I right? With Caesar Chief, Sportsbook, Chief Trends Officer, Chief, brand Chief ambassador. Trends it's officer. it's a lot. Like it's a lot. <laughs> well, how do you see how do you see this one going this week for the Cincinnati Bengals against the Cleveland Browns? They go to Cleveland. It's Halloween. Bengals only have I think they're like one in five or one in six on Halloween nights when they play. So not a great night for them in that regard. But this seems to be a little bit more of a favorable matchup based on what the Browns have been doing. And then what? Is what are the lines telling you in terms of the the Bengals win loss record going forward? Their chances into the playoffs sitting here at four and three. Look, the biggest challenge for the Bengals on Monday night is to just play up to their ability. Okay, I, I can't I cannot explain to you why the Bengals have lost four games in a row to the Cleveland Browns. It's unexplainable to me. I cannot explain to you why the Bengals have lost eight straight road Monday night games. Their last Andy Dalton. Yeah, well, no, this this goes way beyond that, bro. Like way beyond. Like Andy, the Red Rifle does not show up in primetime games. That is a right. guaranteed fact, okay? Right. But their, the, the Bengals' last road win on Monday Night Football was week seven of the 1990 season. Oof. Andy Dalton was drafted in 2011, okay? I think he so was born in 88, we're, too. Yeah. We're, talk, we're talking about 21 years when they haven't figured out before, before the Red Rifle showed up into the picture. So yeah. the quarterbacks in that game were Boomer Esiason and Bernie Kosar. That was, the last, that was the last time the Bengals won a road Monday night game. They've lost eight in a row on the road. Now, hopefully, because it's in Ohio, it won't feel like that much of a road game, and they'll figure out we're really in our state. We're just in a different part of it. Just be who you are. Like, understand you're the better team. They're the better team. I don't, there's, there's not a, it's not a matter of opinion. It's not a debate. They're better. So just play to the, to the level of who you are, and they should take care of business. Yeah, even even last year when the Bengals went on their Super Bowl run, the the matchup just was not in their favor. They just have not matched up well with or without Joe Burrow these past few years against the the Cleveland Browns. Personnel just doesn't seem to work out for them. Uh, grand scheme of things, right now, what what is before we talk about the the endeavor that Caesars has yeah. with the state of Ohio and what they're launching there? What, what's kind of the grand scheme in terms of? I, I would assume the Chiefs are up there. You mentioned some NFC East teams. 
The Bengals may be surging a little bit in terms of overall playoff Super Bowl picture right now. What what what's Caesar saying on the lines with with all of that in the grand scheme of things right now? Well, uh, the top two teams are still the, the favorites to win it all at Caesar Sportsbook are the Bills and the Chiefs, uh, with the with the Eagles right behind both of them. But again, that that goes back to pedigree, right? Like, you know, we we've we've seen Buffalo get to and 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 win many playoff games. We've seen what Kansas City has done. Uh, obviously, what the Bengals did last year was incredible. Although getting back there the next year, it, like the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. Like people can pretend like it's not. It is. You know, the last team to lose a Super Bowl and go back and win the last one was the Patriots. They lost Super Bowl 52. They went on to win Super Bowl 53. Before that, you have to go way, way, way back to find a team that that uh, that lost the Super Bowl and came back the next year to win. I think it was Super Bowls five and six. Uh, the mm-hmm. Cowboys lost Super Bowl five and won Super Bowl six. The Dolphins lost Super Bowl six and won Super Bowl seven. Like it's it, it's rare. Like the Patriots in the last few years of the dynasty uh, were able to do it, but it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to accomplish. The the Bengals have all the ability to do it. They have all the talent. They have all the talent at the right positions, uh, perhaps more than anything else. Uh, they just got to get out of their own way. You know, they 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 can't fall behind a bunch. They can't. Uh, they have to, like you said, we're getting better protecting uh, Joe Burrow, but like Joe is like legit special. Like I want to, I, I don't know if I, I, I might've read this to you. Um, I'll read it again. If you, world. even if you did, <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world. Like Joe has this sort of um, mentality where nothing bothers him. And this was from my pre-draft notes on Joe Burrow before uh, the 2020 okay. draft. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. It takes a second, so if you'll... I love it. Me. No, please do. Burrow played on a travel AAU basketball team when he was nine years old. During a state tournament, his team was trailing by eight points with about 30 seconds to go. His coach, Tom Vandervin, said, we kind of thought it was over. But then Burrow took over, scoring nine consecutive points, including seven straight foul shots to lead the team back to an improbable win. The other team kept fouling him, and he kept making the shots. Quote from Vandervin, the coach, I've never seen anything like it. It was then that I knew that this kid was different from everyone else. I couldn't believe the poise under pressure and competitive drive demonstrated by a nine-year-old. The pressure didn't seem to register with him at all. He just stood at the foul line and drained them one after another. Most kids at that age couldn't hit two free throws in a row, especially under pressure. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Vanderven, when he's not coaching AAU basketball teams at nine years age, is a sociology professor at Ohio University. Oh. After that game, he went up to Burroughs' parents and told them, because I'm a sociologist that studies crime. After the game, I told his parents that Joe had the kind of qualities that you find in cops and first responders, as well as serial offenders. <laughs> he went on to say, the point I was making was he had the kind of qualities those people have when his pulse probably doesn't change, no matter the situation he's in. He could be mowing the lawn or pulling people from a fire and his pulse would probably stay about the same. So I think what we've learned here is that thank God Joe Burrow is using his powers for good. Because he could probably be the next Dexter and get away with it. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's the thing that, you know, a lot of people talk it like, you know, Baker Mayfield, I woke up feeling dangerous today, you know. And some days it works and some days it doesn't. Joe doesn't care. Joe doesn't talk. Joe knows that I can get the crap beat out of me and I'll still find a way to win. I mean, like that Titans game last year, he was sacked nine times. Yeah. There's no way you should win a playoff game when you're sacked nine times. Yet after that beating, when Tannehill coughed it up on that interception, he made the one throw he needed to put Money Mac in position to take them to the AFC Championship game, and he did it. Yeah, well, that's an amazing story. I've heard a lot of Joe Burrow. I, John, you have too. Have you heard that story before? 
No, I've never heard Joe Burrow compared to a serial killer. That's, that's <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite like one of all time. It's my I favorite like, one of all time. I like that in a way, though. That's a that's a great great story. Talking with Trey Wingo of Caesar Sportsbook. This has been awesome. I'm trying hard not to fanboy too hard out talking with you because it's it's all good. Uh, man. I grew up watching you for for so long, and it's been uh, great having you on the show again and meeting you in person a few months back. Caesar Sportsbook. Oh, the state of Ohio is becoming this hotbed yeah. of, of sports Let's betting go. and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, and Caesar Sportsbook is launching a new endeavor in that state and getting in on the mix there. So tell us a little bit, if you would, Mr. Wingo, yeah. of what Caesars is doing in the state of Ohio specifically. And just any other, uh, you know, I mean, Caesars is a worldwide brand. We know that. But anything Correct. else besides that, uh, go yeah. ahead and well, let us know. In, in Ohio, Ohio we're, we're launching. Uh, it's coming up, I think, in January. Uh, but you don't have to, or I'm not sure exactly when, but it's, it's a little bit down the, down the road, but the beautiful thing is you don't have to wait for mobile betting live to sort of get yourself ready. So what you can do is download the Caesar Sportsbook app today, open up an account, deposit at least 20 bucks in that account. And when you do that, boom, automatically you'll receive a hundred dollar bet credit in there from Caesars. So mm -hmm. when sports betting, mobile betting goes live in the state of Ohio, You'll have uh, whatever you put in there plus a hundred dollar bet credit to get yourself going. That's awesome. I love it. And like I said, Ohio is just becoming. I I live in California, so I, I'm not yeah. I'm not privy to the the Ohio stuff like my like my colleague there, John. But you step uh, outside your Ohio. door, you're in Vegas. Come on. I know. Weird, I know. Yeah. Hey, that's that's where I met Trey. That's where I met Trey. There you go. Trey, I'm next so time. Yeah, next time we're we're there. Uh, another another drink on me at, at the Bellagio bar. Uh, looking looking forward to that. But uh, I have no problems with that. Let me be clear, <laughs> zero. I, neither do I. Uh, thank you for making time for us. We appreciate. It. I know you're an extremely busy guy. Go check out all of the great stuff that Trey Wingo puts out. He does a fun show uh, with Mark Schlereth. He does stuff with the Thirty Third Team, and of course, he is with Caesar Sportsbook and joining us courtesy of them today rebecca brad the whole crew at caesars always treating us nice trey thank you so much appreciate the time and hopefully open invite anytime you want to come back plug anything caesars got got going we'd, we'd love to have you on and talk some football you got it guys thanks so much appreciate it thank all you, right trey. take care